Moncrief on News Talk. Summer's approaching, mosquito season, extreme heat days are stressors for the brain. And with her history, Miami is dangerous to her health. Yeah, everywhere is dangerous. Come we are hearing that hurricane season this year is going to be the worst one yet. The moon is wobbling like nobody's business. Wobbling? The moon's been wobbling since the beginning of time. It wobbles. It's worse now. No, you can't. Hey. I assume the doctor told you? Yeah, yeah, he did, Ma. You, you sure this is what you want? Want? <laughs> the world is no longer interested in what I want. The world is in it for itself. You love it here. You love the, the mahjong, the soft-shell crab. Oh, they're making those in Duluth now out of cauliflower. Thank you, doctor. You love Dr. Shah, too. Dr. Shah is here. I'm moving to Milwaukee, actually. Your mother said she has a sister in Chicago. Thought you hated your sister. It's too hot out to hate people these days, Marshall. It's better to be on the first boat out of town than the one that never left. That's Extrapolations, new episodes every Friday on Apple TV+. Plus. James Dempsey joins us once again. Afternoon, James. Good afternoon, Sean. Uh, is this kind of Black Mirror kind of stuff? Yes, uh, unfavorably getting comparisons to that, right? So this is a huge, big budget, huge cast show from Apple TV+. Plus. Um, that's an anthology series, which I suppose is where its most immediate comparison to Black Mirror comes, um, which is specifically about the environment and climate change. So it's an eight-part series, and each episode of the show um, is set in a specific year in the future. The first one, which is by a mile the worst one is, or of the three I've seen anyway, is set in 2037. And then we jump forward maybe six years and then maybe another year later. But by the end, I think we'll get to uh, like 2060 when things are looking fairly dour and bleak for mankind. Because uh, this is looking at climate change, of which I guess few positive things can be said anyway, uh, but taking a very negative viewpoint about climate change. And it comes from a guy named Scott Z. Burns, Scott Z. Burns, um, who is is, you know, he's an unusual kind of uh, writer-director. He's probably best known for as a producer on An Inconvenient Truth, the Al Gore documentary. So he, you know, no, he knows what he's talking about when it comes to the environment. But also he wrote, he's written a number of uh, like big budget movies, um, including The Bourne Ultimatum. But perhaps more tellingly, he wrote Contagion, which is this brilliant Steven Soderbergh movie, which is about um, a disease that comes out of nowhere and kills many people and sends the world into lockdown and was produced many, many years ago hmm. and had this huge resurgence during the pandemic because people thought were watching it enjoying it as a piece of sort of like, you know, movie stagecraft, but also as a very prescient look at at how environmental factors might uh, affect, you know, a disease that becomes a pandemic. So he does kind of have his finger on the pulse, <laughs> regrettably, of uh, bad things that might be coming down the pipeline. But ultimately, for me, the problem with this show is it's just bloated right like if i was to read out the cast list which i will do now i mean it has many many famous people in it david diggs sienna miller matthew reese meryl streep judd hirsch heather graham david trimmer ed norton diane lane Gemma chan kerry russell marion cotillard forrest whitaker i can go on Gee. and uh, in in that anthology vein, right? We you know we we are following various different episodes, and they're telling it slightly interconnected stories. So, for example, in the first one, which is just this real mishmash hodgepodge mess, it's set in 2037. It's all about a kind of a, you know cop. COP28 or whichever COP we just went through in mm. Scotland uh, last year. It's COP, 
XX, I can't remember, and it's set in Tel Aviv, and it's, you know, various people arguing over uh, access to water rights. And sort of as a key figure running through many of the episodes, you have Kit Harrington, who is late of Jon Snow, and uh, better known in this as Nicholas Bilton, who's kind of like a benevolent or or not uh, industrialist with with access to desalination technology that the world wants. And in this messy first episode, we're just seeing a setup for all of the others. But it takes the most bizarre route then in the second episode, which in which Meryl Streep voices the last whale on Earth. And you have Sienna Miller as this kind of botanist, or not botanist, zoologist rather, going around interviewing <laughs> the last of all of the Earth's mammals and having the technology to have conversations with them. Mm. And for me, this was like... This is supposed to be in 20 years, and I feel like this is a technological leap, perhaps too far. It came a little bit more down to earth in the third episode, which follows a rabbi in Miami who's trying to get uh, like special treatment for his um, synagogue to be, you know, considered by the Florida State Department for preservation while he's, you know, delivering. Um, Temple, I can't remember. I'm not sure what the mass is of the Jewish world. But I don't think it's a mass somehow. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah ceremonies, ceremonies in his Wellington boots. That episode I actually quite liked, but the whole thing is just like, you know, you know, Apple, like I kind of was sitting there going like, well, Apple, don't you guys mine very precious minerals in probably some uh, places you shouldn't be doing that. And this is taking place, uh, you know, on, on screens and you're, you're sort of lecturing us with this show about environmentalism. It, parts of it worked. And I have to admit, when the trailer came out a few months ago, I looked at this going, oh, my God, this looks really promising. It's going to be this big budget you know important weighty series the jokes all hit in the it, you know the jokes all landed in the in the trailer and they turned out to be the only jokes in the whole show so i'd already seen them and all in it just feels like you know maybe maybe it'll be like contagion his movie that came out was well reviewed at the time and then sort of faded away and then after the fact, when it turned out to be very prescient, we all thought, why well, wasn't that really well made? And hopefully, I hope that isn't the case. But even if it is, I don't think I'm going to be hearing from the last whale on Earth about it, if you get me. Yeah. So but, uh, the assumption then behind all these episodes is that we haven't really done anything to arrest climate change and things just get worse and worse and worse. Yes, I mean, things are getting worse and worse in each episode. So like for, in the first episode, we see Sienna Miller racing through like a forest fire while pregnant. And then her son, who appears in the next episode, has this disease, which is like um, summer heart or something, which is this like environmentally affected uh, cardio, you know, cardiovascular problem and so there are all these re recurring motifs throughout it in the third one you know where, you, where we where we're seeing miami underwater somewhat i mean not a lot at the beginning there's all this talk about uh, you know mosquito uh, borne diseases that are afflicting various people and if that like and that comes back throughout as well so what we're seeing is it's kind of too it's kind of odd right so it's trying to depict this world where conditions are getting worse and worse and yet we're following it from a very sort of global north developed uh, affluent society. Right. right. So, okay. like, so this is just climate change in America we're talking about. Well, it is in it, ostensibly it's flying around the world, but uh, the world is it seems very homogenized in its future. Like in, in the third episode, right, you know, David Schumer's daughter is going through her bat bat 
mitzvah and she's talking to the the Siri, the Alexa, the whatever, the Alpha it's called in this world, asking how many climate refugees are there this year? And there are 23 million of them. But we're not telling their story. <laughs> you know, yes. we're, we're telling the story of of like affluent uh, young Jewish Americans who have all the technology in the world and uh, and uh, you know and other uh, industrialists and and entrepreneurs and so on and so forth. So for me, it just didn't quite get to grips with the really displaced people of climate change. Whether that will happen in future episodes, I don't know. But certainly the main problem here is the first episode is just such a mess that like uh, it's kind of it, it does get better after that. But you have to sit through a fairly dodgy one first. Yeah, that all sounds a bit grim, though. Yeah. And, they, you know, I was reading I was watching an interview on the Apple, like on Apple TV with the creator going like, oh, you know, we tried to make it really funny to liven up the, the quite dour aspects and, and to present it. And and what we did here in the clip there, I thought was quite funny. Like this, you know, it's an interview with a local, with a GP about uh, potentially moving to, you know, a different part of the US, relocating from Miami, from Miami. And and they they do offer moments of levity throughout. But it's just I don't know. I don't know. If, like, I feel like we're going through, obviously we're going through climate change and that is an undeniable fact, but it's happening in such a like slow way that it's like we're the, you know, we're the frog in the pot who doesn't know mm. the water is boiling. And this show is not going to be the thing that makes us think, oh, actually, it's getting a bit toasty, <laughs> to be honest <laughs> with you. Right. We'll move on to our second show of the day. It is Class of 07. You can watch all of season one now on Amazon Video Prime. Here's a clip. Sandy, please. You've been non-stop for hours now. Look who I found. First to pass out at the sleepover, as per usual. What the hell are you all doing? I just saw a real-life seal in the nipple courts. Oh, that's seal the seal. Huh? Like the singer. Oh, I need to call my husband. I need to go back home to Brisbane. Oh, my God, is this happening in Brisbane, too? Why are you not all panicking? We panicked at 4 a.m. Mm-hmm. You just missed it. We're sorry, okay? We'll never leave you out of the panicking ever again. All right? Okay, nobody really knows what's happening right now. Their power's out and there's no phone signal. So why don't you grab a pancake, take a deep breath, and come and sit down and we'll make a plan, yeah? Right, so this is is this kind of reunion genre thing. Yeah, so yes and no, right? So basically, uh, why it's called Class of 07, I'm not sure, because it's set 10 years after their school days, but it is very contemporary. Uh, I honestly think it's just because the writer is like a millennial, so she wanted to reuse all the music of her own school days. But Mm -hmm. it is, so at the very beginning, uh, we see our lead character, Emily Browning, uh, Zoe. Uh, She, uh, you know, and it starts with this very, very odd scene where she's on like like a The Bachelor type TV show where she gets dumped live on air, has this huge reaction, and then a bird, uh, a bird's droppings make their way into her mouth, and there's this whole to do about it and her being publicly shamed, right? And then we pan to six months later where she's living uh, off grid, having just doesn't want to, to deal with the embarrassment of this, and uh, basically things conspire to lead her uh, accidentally back to her old school this very swanky private boarding school in the, I think it must be in the outskirts of Brisbane anyway. And uh, while she's there at her tenure high school reunion, 
the apocalypse strikes, and this is called the Paco, because obviously Australians like to do that kind of thing. And, uh, it's a Paco. Paco. So then every girl in the school, or woman, I should say, all the young women in the school whose friendships have faded in the decades in school and who have access to grind and scores to settle find themselves potentially the last remaining people on earth uh, surrounded by massive floodwaters and stuck essentially on an island which is now their high school that they can no longer escape from and much like extrapolations this starts with its worst episode so the first episode is this bizarre hodgepodge of tone as i said it starts with you know a dove basically dropping its business into her mouth which is an odd joke to begin a show that's about the apocalypse about and then it goes on later on into like you know very um like you know mediations on bullying in school on on uh, on suicide on uh, inappropriate uh, relationships between teachers and school and school children as we flash back into the past while also going for the broadest comedy you can imagine right so it takes a little while to find its feet but when it does it actually gets really, really funny. And I will give a standout performance uh, to a couple of people. So everyone is charmingly crass in that Australian kind of crass way, but particularly Caitlin Stacey, late of Erinsborough and Ramsey Street. Uh, she plays Saskia, who is who was the absolute bully, you know, the Regina George, the mean girl of, of the year in 07, and has since gone through a lot of therapy to sort of put her bullying ways behind her. And when the girl, when the women, realize that how stuck they are they all sort of turn to her and are like please you know go back we need a leader we need a leader and she resorts to being the bully and her performance is really funny but but also incredibly dark this uh, these wonderful like stabbing turns of phrase as they all go a bit lord of the flies so look we've had this kind of survival you know a, Paco stuff before, right? Even on Amazon, I mean, we had so there was there was Yellow Jackets, which is coming back very soon for a second season, which follows a you know a plane load of, of football players, well, soccer players, I should say, uh, in in the wilds. Uh, we had the Wilds itself, which was a kind of odd little uh, Lord of the Flies esque show as well on on Amazon that has now been cancelled after its second season. And this is very much the comedic version of it, right? Like, I mean, it's not long before they have electricity going again. They don't seem to be starving too much. It's more about the bullying, the infighting, mm. and the crass humor. And it wore me down, right? Like, like any good bully, it kind of wore me down to the point where I just sort of ultimately respected it. I thought it was a silly little romp. Uh, got very good in the middle. Maybe, maybe at eight episodes, ran one or two longer than it should have. But it's only half an hour each, and it's fairly easy going. Ah, yeah, I knew that. That's the one that gets James Dempsey every time. I know. It's half I, an know hour. I know. I know. Uh, right, our, our our final show. <clears throat> I imagine this is longer than half an hour. It's uh, Bono and the Edge, a sort of homecoming with David Letterman. You can stream it now on Disney Plus. Here's a clip. We invented a whole culture of our own amongst our friends. We called ourselves Lipton Village. I can't remember why. And in Lipton Village, all our friends were given their own unique nicknames. That's where I got the name The Edge. Mm -hmm. Bono's village name was Bonavox of O'Connell Street. The, the hearing aid store. Right. And this was part of a pushback against the conservative society that we were part of. So here, here we have The Edge. Yeah. 
Bono, mm -hmm. then we have Adam, mm -hmm. then we have Larry. When you hear what their original village names were, you would understand why they didn't run with them. Larry's was, he was known as the Jam Jar. The Jam Jar. <laughs> Adam was Mrs. Burns. <laughs> well, the bass player is called Mrs. Burns. Yeah. Right, first off, James, why is it called a sort of homecoming, seeing that Bono and the Edge live in Dublin, always have, haven't returned from anywhere? <laughs> I guess, uh, I suppose it's it's because it's only half of you two, right? So uh, they, they go to great lengths at the beginning of the show to tell you that, uh, that Larry and Adam are off doing other things. Uh, Adam, I think, was off making a documentary about Francis Bacon, which I feel is coming to RT mm. uh, at some point this week. And Larry uh, was recovering from surgery. So neither of those feature, though obviously their music does. And in it, we we get David Letterman uh, at 75 years old making his first ever visit to Ireland. And the whole thing is directed by Morgan Neville, who won an Oscar a few years ago for directing the music documentary 20 Feet from Stardom. So he has, you know, as real expertise in, in, in filming live music and telling the story of musicians. As for the sort of homecoming, I guess what they're trying to do here, Bono and the Edge, is, um, you know, having been in U2 now for the guts of 50 years, to try and reflect back on their songs as they release a new album. So they have a new version, I, I think I think it's called Songs of, Sur songs of Surrender. It is taking 40 of U2's songs and reworking them into more acoustic versions and in some cases rewriting the lyrics or updating the lyrics and changing them around. And in this, we get, you know, the, the you know the marketing ploy for the album right we see bono and the edge performing in the ambassador to a very small crowd of bespoke invitees who uh, david letterman meets along the way they include tour guides and uh, flat cap salesmen and various and 40 foot swimmers and we have uh, david letterman making his way through dublin which he did i think last december uh, when the weather clearly was fairly bleak because he is absolutely wrapped up the whole time and in this, he meets Bono and the Edge and he interviews them and he talks about their lives, their careers. What we heard in the clip there was where they got the name Bono and the Edge, which I have to admit I had never heard of. But uh, I'm of a, like, well, I mean, I'm a, it's kind of funny. I was actually, I mean, I spend a lot of time talking to younger people and I recently said to them, do you know who you are? Do you know who Bono is? And they had absolutely no idea. Huh. So if if you're a, if you're a, you know, if you're a Gen Z or younger Irish person, you two do not have the cultural cachet that they had for millennials and above because, I mean, I guess they're just in that slightly older part of their career where uh, they're not releasing, you know, singles every year, albums every year or touring every year. So it's very possible that if your whole life is whatever music is on TikTok, you might not yet have encountered you too. So I thought if you were a newcomer to you two, it's a very charming 90-minute documentary where Bono and the Edge talk through their lives, talk through uh, their music, how they came to form a band, and how they have stayed together in that period. But what I also liked about it is it's not completely and utterly hagiographic, hey which you would kind of expect in a show mm. like this, right? Perhaps the most interesting interview, although it, it does turn out very positive for them, is at one point David Letterman goes off to, I presume, Panty Bar and meets Panty Bliss, the drag queen, and talks to Panty about U2, at which point Panty basically 
poo-poos you two going, I thought they were nothing. I thought they were absolutely, like, I, I wasn't interested in them. They had meant absolutely nothing to me. And it was actually kind of refreshing to just hear <laughs> one person <laughs> in the show talk about how not interested they were in you two until Panty was living in Japan and saw you two and then thought that was really something. So you get a few talking heads from, from musicians. Glenn Hansard has a role. Uh, Fintan O'Toole, you know, talks in the way Fintan O'Toole does, putting you two very much at the, like, center point of uh, center focus of kind of the development of uh, the Irish kind of, I don't know, more liberal culture over the last uh, 40 years, shall we say, and how YouTube played a role in that. And all in, like, it's a very charming little documentary. I mean, what's not to like? You have David Letterman, who is a funny comedian, going around Dublin, meeting nice Irish people, going to the 40 foot, getting meeting his friends Bono and The Edge. They all play a few songs. It's very, very pleasant. Is it absolute essentialist TV? Maybe if you're a YouTube fan, yes. But for something to do your ironing to, you could do an awful lot worse. Okay. But if you were to just like walk around Dublin with a guy with a huge beard, there are plenty of them on offer. <laughs> like, what's different? Well, I mean, I guess what's different is he's walking around with Bono and the Edge, right? And they are not absolutely nobody. So it's quite like, and, and, and David Letterman is a very game participant in this i mean look did he get paid a hefty fee for it i'm sure he did but when he he flies into the country and he has this quite like sardonic tone he's he's very self-effacing in his humor he's not afraid to have either uh, his leg pulled or pull others uh, while he's at it and uh, look as a, perhaps we are too close for, i mean i live in dublin right so like i i can't appreciate the dublin that's on screen here because i see it every winter it's nothing particularly new or novel to me but i would imagine if you are not a dubliner or certainly if you're not an irish person to have to see kind of uh, a very charming musical city that may or may not exist, I can't really say. Um, it probably would make you go, I might look up, you know, the Aer Lingus website and, and book a flight. At the same time, I don't think uh, if you are a local, you're going to gain much more appreciation for the city you already live in. Yeah, or I might buy that album, or I might buy that book, uh, coincidentally. <laughs> also called yeah. Surrender, featuring 40 songs. Uh, yeah. th right, those three shows are Extrapolations, new episodes every Friday on Apple TV+. Plus. Class of 07, you can watch all of season one now on Amazon Prime Video. And Bono and the Edge, a sort of homecoming with David Letterman. You can stream all that now on Disney+. Plus. James Dempsey Thanks a million. Thank you. Moncrief, weekdays at 2 p.m. on News Talk.